guys. I'm so excited. This is the very first episode of the Rainbow Prophet podcast. In my heart, I wanted to create a podcast to um, share things about the Lord, to share testimonies, um, to share about, you know, God's heart for the LGBTQ community, and just a whole bunch of other stuff, you know. I wanted to create an expression where it felt normal just to talk and, um, you know, be built up and get stirred up to be hungry for Jesus, but also for it to feel like family and, you know, just like it's safe to be us. It's safe to be us in our process. Um, and so one of the biggest core values I have is authenticity, um, and being real, um, I hope that you um, would not be looking forward to a preacher voice because I definitely don't have one of those. (laughs) Um, What you hear is what you get, but I believe that if you just stay tuned, um, you'll be encouraged by Jesus. Um, Today's episode, I just wanted to um, just start... And I had no idea which way to go. So some of my friends on Facebook just said, just share your testimony. And I was like, that sounds good to me. So today's episode will be about my testimony. Um, And what's so fun is like, even though I feel like I share it a thousand times, it never feels like it gets old. Do you feel that way about your story? Do you ever feel like, Whenever you hear it, it almost feels like you're just reliving it all over again. Like you pick up the initial excitement of what it was like when you first experienced Jesus in your heart. Um, I just, I don't know. I love that. It reminds me of when the disciples were walking with Jesus um, after he was crucified to um, go to Emmaus. And after they realized Jesus was with them, they literally were like, did our hearts not burn within us? And while sometimes our hearts may not burn like the disciples did in that moment, there's a life that we feel when we, when we put ourselves back in the place of, man, Jesus did this for me. This is how I met him. This is what he, this is what he looked like. This is what he felt like. This is what he did for me. So um, let's introduce my story. For those of you who don't know, my name is uh, Gabriel Pagan. Um, I'm an associate pastor in Columbus, Georgia at a beautiful church called Love Revolution Church. That is Love Revolution Church, not Love Revoluton. Hallelujah. I am married to the love of my life, uh, Madison Pagan, and I am a daddy to three beautiful boys, Jeremiah, Judah, and Israel. Um, two of those being twins, which was a unique experience. Um, Especially when I first saw that on the ultrasound, I thought I was going to fall out and go meet God. So not prepared for that. And we almost had triplets, um, but one of the sacks didn't develop. So, I mean, I literally almost like prematurely went to be with Jesus. (laughs) It was so stressful. Um, You know, we were like, we had Jeremiah for like, you know, maybe, I don't know when we got pregnant. I don't know how old he was. I'm not good at like, you know, so-and-so was like, 15 months, um, but 
we had JJ and I was like, you know, he's so easy now. Like we could totally handle a newborn. And then God was like, yeah, here's two. <laughs> and dropped that on us until, um, praise God. But I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so I have my own family. This is like, so this is probably, um, and I might share on this more, but this is probably one of the biggest miracles I've experienced. Like I've seen people get demons cast out of them, you know, the presence of God, crazy prophetically accurate words from the past. I mean, I've had supernatural experiences, but seeing Jesus promise you something that you could not think that you could see in your own life and bring it to pass was like, I don't know. It's just like every day I wake up and I'm like, I have my own family. Like, this is unreal. Like, you did not leave me as an orphan. So, um, before I was in a, before I was a pastor in, uh, Love Revolution Church, um, I was a, um, couch hopping high school dropout who wanted to be in a band and, um, I had no hope and I also, um, was struggling with homosexuality and I'll go from the beginning of my story to this couch hopping, um, guitar hero playing, um, <laughs> bandit. But basically I grew up in the, in the Bible belt. Um, like, you know, Columbus, Georgia is the Bible belt of truth. There's a, there's a church on every street corner. Um, I don't know if it's like that where you live, but here, gosh, there's like more churches than there are Walmarts and Dollar Generals and everything. It's just like houses. They're just everywhere. Um, and from childhood, ever since I can remember, I went to church. Um, every Sunday with my family, that was just a staple. Now I can't recall ever like having an experience where I was like, Whoa, God is real. I just, you know, I did what I saw my family doing and thought that's what Christianity was. You know, um, you say, you say a prayer and that's what you say so that you make it through the questionnaire of if you were to die tonight, you know, are you going to go to hell? Well, um, nobody here signed up for any of that. So let me say this prayer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I said the prayer and then throughout the week I did as much as I could to not be in a place where I was going to go to hell. You know, that's the understanding I had of the gospel. It's very workspace, very much based on your behavior, etc. And, um, Around the time I was eight or nine years old was when I was first, um, you know, exposed to sexual activity um, by somebody and tried everything under the sun. And so that brought in a lot of confusion. And I was also exposed to pornography um, in like that early, like school years, formative time of my life. So I was very confused because I noticed after my experience, not that my mind was so cognizant of it, but I almost super just focused on boys. Um, I thought girls were really cute. Um, and then I liked their personality. I liked seeing, it was almost like there was like a competition of who could be the prettiest, you know? And I always thought girls were pretty. 
but I felt like I related to them more than I did guys. And, um, you know, I always wanted to have a deep connection with my brother and dad, but just felt like I didn't fit in. Um, you know, looking back, I could say I definitely wrestled with some type of dysphoria. I wouldn't know if it was bad enough to say that I wish that I was trans or wanted to be trans. I know that, um, there were times where I had thoughts like it'd be so much easier to be a girl, but I'm also very well aware that I look a lot like David Blaine. And if I was a girl, that would not be good. Um, especially with long hair, that would be, um, a trigger warning, jump scare. Do not go onto this site. Like, (laughs) um, so I just kind of bit the bullet and was like, I'm different from the boys around me. And I didn't know what that was. And I didn't have a context for that being, you know, that I was gay. I just, I was different. Um, until I started getting called a faggot, queer, sissy, you know, any gay expletive, derogatory term, slur. And that really bothered me because it felt like until I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know that experimenting with other boys, but they, you know, that you had same sex attraction. I didn't have an understanding. Like I was very sheltered. So experiencing all this stuff was like very near to me. And, um, you know, when people say something of you so much, it's so easy just to be like, what do they see that I don't see? You know what I mean? And kids just bullied me. Even if I never flirted with them, like I desperately just wanted guy friends. And I felt like, no matter what, like I was like the girl around them. Um, so after these experiences, I would say it was almost like in the spirit realm, like a magnet was put on that wound to draw attention to it just so that it would become my identity. You know what I mean? Like my whole life then revolved around pornography masturbating because it became like my huge secret. Um, and like a compulsive habit, like, I'm talking like four to six times a day. Um, You know, pornography wasn't easily accessible when I was younger, but you know, by the time I got into high school, I had like my own computer and stuff. So like I could just veg out on my computer for like 12 hours at a time and nobody would know, you know what I mean? Um, I stopped going to church when I got to high school and when I got some more freedom, because I would say I was pretty sheltered, that is where I started to pursue sexuality um, because, you know, I wanted to know what sex was, what sex felt like, who I was, you know, and if it was something that I wanted. And I didn't have a way to express that to my parents because, you know, after my grandparents died um, in my freshman year, um, it was like, or it could have been closer to my 10th grade year. It was my freshman year or my 10th grade year. One of those two. Um, I just stopped trying. Um, I shut off and started smoking weed with my friends. And um, I didn't really process a lot of my internal stuff with them anymore. And so when I had confusion, when I had, you know, anger, when I had those normal things that like most kids are like, hey, this is what's happening inside of me. Like you see on like ABC shows. I didn't have like any of that, okay? It was very much like figure things out in your head and get it together, you know what I mean? Um, so that was the dynamic. 
was not fun um, and I felt very alone in that um, and so pursuing sexuality was like an easy escape because it was something that I wanted it's something that made me feel good um, and I had an experience where I was exposed to pornography again in high school and so when I saw how easily accessible it was and I had my own computer and you know whenever I got home from school and my parents were gone it was like veg out and so once it went from pornography to people um, I had no um, grid as far as you know what's normal expression of sexuality and um, what's going past a point of like like this is too far for your personal safety if that makes sense especially for anybody who's listening um, you know when you whenever you've seen porn in the past if you have seen porn or you know things happen you're not really given a warning or like a disclaimer like this is gonna rob your time this is gonna lead you to this really deep dark place it's just kind of like you say you're 18 and you log on, even if you're not. Um, so I found that guys could hook up in bathrooms and that's how you, um, that's how you connect. And so I thought that was normal. I didn't know that I would be considered like exhibitionism and, um, you know, just high risk activity. And so when I was in high school, I went to a public bathroom was fishing for this dude who then tried to follow me and a voice inside me was like if you don't get out you're gonna get kidnapped and looking back now I know it was the Holy Spirit but in the moment I was so freaked out and I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna die and so after this um, you know I had fantasies of being taken advantage of I was super sexually broken um, did a lot of things I wasn't proud of but it kept going into this wound. You know, I hooked up with this dude when I was in high school and everybody found out about it and made fun of me. And, you know, I had so much shame and guilt that I just wanted to like die. Like nobody wanted to know me for who I was. People just wanted to talk about me and things that happened, but it was so broken and hurting. And if anybody knew who I really was, then they would kill me. And nobody knew the pain that I felt of being gay. And, you know, when I hooked up with somebody like in the moment it was like an untouchable high I mean like it's what you want you know what I mean like when you especially it's like for probably any type of sin when you get what you want that feeling is untouchable as soon as reality hit for me that I did what I did with another man it was like I sunk into the deepest low internally And I was like, I'm being used like a woman, and I'm not. I'll never be able to have a family. I'm not a girl. I can't have kids. Nobody in my family will accept me. I just want to die. You know, and and growing up in a church background and hearing how what I believe God thought of homosexuals and people who are in the LGBTQ community, I thought there's no way out for me. Like, there's why why try? You know what I mean? Like, you're only going to disappoint God. You've said this prayer 600 times and you don't know what you're doing and you're just screwing up. So just stop. So by the middle to end of high school, I was very depressed, suicidal, and I wanted to die. I wanted to just not wake up, you know, and 
I was very angry and I had thoughts like, you know, if God exists and free will exists, I didn't get to choose to be born into this. You know, I had a lot of arguments with my family, had a lot of traumatic moments in my family. Um, you know, so I mean, many people have dysfunctional stuff happening in their home. It's just kind of like a normal, it's just a normal thing. But for me, it just kind of enforced this feeling of, you're always going to be alone. You're always going to be rejected. You're always going to be misunderstood. You're always in trouble. And life isn't worth living. I keep feeling like I got a burp. And like I had just had like dinner. And I'm like super like, please don't burp in the middle of this podcast. And I know we were probably just like in like a really deep raw moment. So like let's just take a deep breath and just realize like I could have just majorly jacked that up with like a random burp and I I wouldn't have a way to explain that I would I would look at you through the screen and just hope that you understood that like I tried to keep it in (laughs) um but so back to my story um I just felt like death was the only way out and I wrote songs about wanting to die at this point I was in a metal band and I wrote songs about like suicide and wanting to die and everyone was like yeah this is so heavy yeah you know the man is stupid Ugh. like you know school of rock hello but I just wanted people to know where I was and it felt like nobody could reach me one day randomly I felt motivated to change my life don't ask me why I dropped out of school I had uh, just gotten my GED. Um, you know, a lot of my friends were gone and overseas, and that I met through the music scene in the army, and it was just a really, um, it was a really weird emotional thing. Um, and I will say that I had ex- supernatural experiences prior to this moment of, like, hmm, today's a new day, you know, like. <laughs> Let me just pull out my planner and just get my life structured. Like, I never really felt like that. I really didn't care about being alive. I will say being happy and like wanting to apply myself was like very few and far in between. Um, but I, I, I had some like weird experiences with like, you know, the time I thought were like spirits and, you know, this and that. I didn't know that the enemy was trying to really take me out and kill me. And um, I'll go into that later, um, maybe in another episode. Um have you guys ever had like crazy demonic experiences? Like, <laughs> like, what in the paranormal activity is happening right now? Like, I, I mean, I don't want to go from the tangent, but like when I was a kid, there'd be like footsteps in the hallway of my house, and there's like it was like a carpet floor. Like, Mama, no, we're not going there. <laughs> okay, um, I didn't need anything in this hallway, anyways. Um, but. Okay, so if you had those kind of comments, or those comments, girl, my mind is all over. If you had those kind of experiences, um, I would love to hear about it. And then back to the story, okay? So um, I felt motivated to change my life, and so I decided to post that on Facebook because I'm a millennial. And um, this guy reached out to me that I met at a get together. And he was like, hey, man, um, you know, my status was like, I really feel motivated to change my life, blah, 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 blah. I can't remember, okay? So that's not important for the sake of this podcast, okay? Um, but he commented and was like, 
hey, I believe the Spirit of Christ put this in you to draw you to himself. And I was like, okay, let's hang out. Now, at this time, I was super, really, unrealistically um, obsessed with, like, older men. So, um, I was like, oh my gosh, what if something happens, you know? And that's kind of where my perversion and, like, weird fetish was fed through pornography um, that I did not know was a father wound. Um, but I just wanted an older man to rescue me, and I would have did, like, whatever it took to, like, make that happen, <laughs> okay? And um, thank God nothing happened, and it's very um, mind-blowing to me that the thing that I used to escape with as a form of control, you know, like, self-gratification the enemy tried to use to freak me out because this guy was like, let's hang out. And I was like, all right, cool. And so he lived like three streets away from me at this time. So I felt like, oh my gosh, you are about to get catfished. Like this is happening. And you've watched too many Lifetime movies to go down like this. You know better. Um, So for me, doing this, uh, committing to this hangout, I was like, this is life and death. And it was. was. This dude ends up leading me to Jesus. He um, helped this like guy who I assumed was homeless. Um, I literally could not tell you if he was or wasn't. Who needed a drug test to get a job. And the whole time, he's just doing power evangelism to the guy. And that opens up a... Um, my wife slid me a note under my door. This is scary. Okay. Oh, this is a prophetic word. Cool. Okay. So, let me backtrack, okay? This guy was doing power evangelism to this guy that I originally assumed was homeless. Okay? And so, in the car, I'm like, riding with this guy. I'm like, first off, you don't just help a stranger. They will kill you, okay? Okay? This guy gets in the car, and I'm like, all right, well, I don't even have money for a funeral. Um, I hope you can, can, like, take care of that, family. (laughs) You know what I mean? So this guy's just ministering to this, like, guy in the car who, once again, I had no idea who he was. And so we get to this place where he's doing his drug test, and the guy gets out of the car. He's like, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, man, Jesus loves you. And I'm like... What in the world is in this man? It is different. And, you know, as followers of Jesus, we're called to have substance, okay? Like, it's beautiful if you can share, like, that weird picture. (laughs) It's beautiful if you can share that weird picture of Jesus, like, arm wrestling the devil. And it's like, I believe, you know? Or, like, if you watch God's Not Dead and you text, like, ten people on your phone, God's Not Dead. That's beautiful, But can you actually give that to people? Like, does your relationship with people and how you minister to people go outside of a Sunday? Or, like, are you you able to minister to somebody who is not someone who thinks and believes just like you? And that's what this dude did. And it just opened the door for me to be receptive to hearing what he had to say about Jesus. So we get in my driveway, and... um, He's dropping me off, and 
he's like, man, I'm telling you, God's reaching out for you. And I'm like, look, if I hear this one more time in the Bible Belt, like, get right with God, I, I might just, like, dematerialize and cease to exist. Like, this is like, like, you need to get right with God is like, bless your heart in the South, okay? <laughs> like, but no one even is like, it's just like a saying, like, you're, you need to get right with God is the equivalent of saying, like, I don't like your behavior. You know what I mean? Um, people don't really know like the fullness I feel like sometimes when they say that like what that means and like what Jesus actually rescued us from so um, I'm like alright bro I've said this prayer a hundred times and I mean I, I'm gonna ask the Lord if I've said it more than other people when I get to heaven just because I want to know because I feel like I've said it at least a hundred times but if I if I lose that challenge that's okay I just want to know how many times I've said the sinner's prayer like, I want to ask him. <laughs> um, so I said this prayer, and this is how I said it. Very unemotional. Um, I just said, God, if you still want me, please save me. And it was in this moment that the fire of God fell on me. And I had no grip for that. I've never experienced praying and then feeling like fires on my body. But I felt it. And I was shook. And I like shook my head. I was like, whoa, what was that? And my friend was like, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it was very like hippie-esque. Um, and so a week later, he leads me to a Bible study um, where I met my current pastor, Chase, who became like my adopted dad, my spiritual father. Like he just let me live with him. Praise God and like bought all my food and like reparented me when I like shut my parents out. So, um, I go to Chase's, we were doing Monday night Bible studies and, um, he's like, Hey, I want to hang out with you and I want to go to Starbucks. Like, let's go get coffee together. And I was like, sweet. I want to go to Starbucks and I have like no money because I didn't have a job. I worked like if part-time had a part-time, I worked part-time, part-time at this music venue which really meant I just got into shows for free and like every now and then got like 50 or 60 bucks. And I got like Burger King for like promoting shows. That was it. And that was enough for me, okay? Um, so I really had no money for Starbucks. <laughs> and I was like, bro, can you get me Starbucks? <coughs> so praise God for those people in church who are always like, yeah, I'll pay for your food. You, you, you. You are a lifesaver, okay? So if you hear this and that's what you do, bless your bank account in Jesus' name. So he takes me to Starbucks and he was like, hey, I got some prophetic words for you. Do you care if I share them? Now, I promise you, um, I was so biblically illiterate. You could have told me that the Bible teaches you how to fly. And I was like, okay, like, sweet. Like, I had no grid, Okay. So he looked at me and was like, the Holy Spirit showed me that you were molested when you were younger and that you struggle with homosexuality. And God wants you to know, like, he loves you and he's going to help you. Like, Jesus is going to walk with you through this. And I was like, Charles Xavier, what in the cerebro just happened? Like, happened, happened, happened. Lord, help me talk for the sake of anybody listening to this podcast. Um, I was so shook, okay, because this dude just, like, read my mail. And there's no way anybody could have known. Now, you can probably guess that I was gay because I kind of was like, I look like Prince and like, if he was like a Hot Topic mannequin at this point, I was very goth. 
But what happened to me, I suppressed as a memory that then became unlocked. And then um, I've never talked about it. So that changed my world because I was like, wow, God is speaking to me. And that just opened my heart to receive from him. So from this time, this was like within two weeks after accepting Jesus, um, I basically go all in. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, get my prayer language, started speaking in tongues. Hello. And um, that changed my life. And nobody around me was like forcing me to say anything. Like I legit was encountering God. And the same presence I felt in the car was what I felt when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was so shook at like experiencing God because I, I've always been used to praying and feeling like God never answered prayers, which not saying that every prayer has to be sensed or felt, but he is the God who answers by fire. <laughs> Yo, that's about to stir me up. So, um, I'll help loose. <laughs> and like everything traumatic I'd ever been through, all this stuff that I was dealing with started coming to the surface. And it was like, God was putting his finger on that pain and wanted to deal with it. And I was like, I can't handle this. So I started drinking and smoking weed again and binging on gay porn because I was like, I can't handle this and I can't talk to anybody about it. They're all going to shove me. And the Lord was just merciful. I dated this girl as a cover up. Um, we hooked up and I got her pregnant, did not know. She called me on the phone one day and told me that her mom thought she was pregnant. I tried to laugh that away so I didn't have a panic attack. And um, all this stuff I just found out. So I got saved in October. I got that I got that message from this girl about the abortion in November. And the abortion happened around like March. So it was not it was not good. Um, maybe April. <clears throat> so I I was really screwed up mentally, um, not knowing that I could like process that with the Lord and not necessarily that my pastor wasn't even trying to help me. Like I had so much religious wounding from people in my life who quoted scriptures, but like, you know, had a hard time getting love through a filter of how they experience life. That's like the nicest way to say it. Um, which is every believer, but in my mind, I was like, everyone has to be, you know, perfect. If you're a Christian, why aren't you perfect? So instead of going to people, I just like try to deal with it internally and independently and that backfired. And I had three demons cast out of me. And, um, over this season of, you know, stuff coming up and then me like freaking out and binging and then I would call Chase and like have like, extreme anxiety and like man like this is happening to me I'm so drunk like you gotta help me and he's like alright I'm gonna pray for you and I start throwing up on the phone immediately like immediately when he started praying for me I started sobering up and it was just the Lord looking out for me um, and so I had two two or three like defining visions and I'll go into them um, and I'll just kind of like close up the eight year gap from eight or nine year gap from then to now so we're not like not keeping you for like a Lord of the Rings linked series testimony um so one of the encounters was after the I found out about the abortion I went into like a real deep spiral depression and 
I was in the church service. I felt like I could not connect with God. Um, and my pastor was just teaching about like soaking and praying and listening to worship and just becoming aware of the presence of God and just resting in there. Like just when you, when you sense him, you know, when you, when you set your mind on him and you're, and you're focused on him, just rest. I want to tell you, I could not feel a lick of the presence of God. I mean, if that was like the driest service of my life and in my head, I'm like, I can't feel nothing. I can't connect. And literally across the room, my pastor on a speaker just out loud says, if you feel like you can't connect with God, like once again, I'm like, y'all ever been to a church and you just feel like, you know, God is like speaking to you. And it's like completely unavoidable. (laughs) Like, well, it was, it, it very well should have just been like, Gabriel, ask who you need to forget, like that direct. But that's pretty much how it was. So over the intercom, he just says, you know, because it was a music venue and he was using the soundboard from the back of the room. I was in the very front, like pretty much like under the speaker <laughs> um, because I like loud music. He said, if you feel like you can't connect, ask God who you need to forgive. And immediately like eight bullies that I needed to forgive, like seven or eight bullies, flew through my mind and I saw their faces individually and as soon as I forgave I went into the spirit I left the room that I was in it was the most surreal experience of my life and I remember walking up and seeing Jesus and I was like oh my gosh this is Jesus like I'm having an encounter I mean I'm experiencing Jesus and I see this like little woven basket it kind of looks like a manger next to him and I'm like what is that and I just want to say this for the sake of this type of podcast that I want to do. Um, when you experience God or when God, you know, interacts with you, you do not change. And yes, I believe in holiness and reverence. Okay. But you don't lose your personality because God made your personality. So you're not going to speak King James English like, oh, holy God. Wow. It's like the, the measure of encounter, especially if God's interacting with your spirit it's different than the encounter of God interacting with you in the natural, in the flesh. So if you were seeing Jesus in the flesh, he'd be on your face, like couldn't talk, just dumbfounded. But when God speaks to you in your spirit, you know, you have the eyes of your heart enlightened. You're able to interact with him and he knows your personality. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit of a difference. So I'm like legitimately confused and I go to Jesus and I look in this basket and there's a little girl with my hair um, and I just knew internally it was a girl don't ask me why my cheeks and my eye color and I was like who is this and Jesus looked at me with the biggest smile I was like you know who this is and I was like no I don't and he was like yeah you do and I was like no I don't and he was like yeah you do and I was like no I don't <laughs> I'm like legitimately arguing with Jesus in this encounter and he was laughing like it was something funny you know what I mean like he wasn't he was so personable and the scene shifts and I'm getting married I'm in this like back room of a church where like you're like before you go walk out to the altar I guess I don't know which is not like my marriage I love praise God but in this vision, Father God is doing my bow tie, and he's like, son, I don't want you to do this. Now, I want to backtrack outside of this entire encounter just to give some context. At this time, the people that I used to party with the most were coming back into town, and I was like, when I, and I said I was binge drinking. When I tell you I was drinking, I was like blackout, in the barracks, 
completely plastered, thrown up, like laying in pools of vomit, like drinking Everclear. Like I was that right after a Bible study. Okay. So there, it wasn't like I was giving God like this pure offering. Like I was running from pain and blaming people in the church and God in his mercy gave me this encounter. You know what I mean? Um, so in this vision, back to the vision, when father God says, I don't want you to do this, I'm getting so mad. And I'm like, no one ever lets me do what I want. So he's like, he lifts his hands and he goes, okay. Um, I walk out of the room. I go towards like the service on the left side of me are people from church that I knew that, um, prayed for me that, you know, like my own Bible study, like they were all crying and sad. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, is anybody happy at all? Like what is happening? And on the right side are people that I party with, smoke with, hooked up with, whatever. And they were just like angry. Like they didn't even want to be there. And I'm like, why, why is anyone here? Like, <laughs> like if I don't want to be here was like a mood. That was what was going on. And when I got down to the altar, when I looked at my bride, it was like a mannequin face. Like it was completely blurry and you couldn't distinguish it. And I was like, what? And the priest says, does anybody object? And Jesus busts in the room. It was like, I do. Like at the top of his lungs. Um, and I remember just feeling so embarrassed. Like I was like, in front of every, any human being that I know, like constantly feeling like, you know, everything I do is being corrected and, and like wrong and all this stuff. And I'm like, gosh, like Jesus doesn't want me to do this. You know what I mean? Like, so I ran to leave. And when I got right in front of Jesus, he put his hand on me and my body turned 180 degrees. And the people that were I knew from church that were believers on the left side were jumping up, up and down and they were rejoicing and like, I mean like celebrating in the pews. And I looked to the right and the people that I knew from the world just started running at me like a mob, angry, fuming, mad. And I was like, what is going, and as soon before they could even like get in front of me, Jesus put his hand out the same way like that he touched me. Cause when he touched me, it was like I shifted and then when he put his hand out, they froze in time. And so they were stuck. Like, nobody was moving. I was like, what is going on? I mean, like, as real as I'm, like, looking at my iPod, like, iPad, like, recording this, like, that's how real it was. Like, it wasn't like I just closed my eyes and I'm, like, imagining. I'm like, ooh, that's crazy. It was like, I was there. And I'm like, what is going on? And before I could finish that, I was like, my body turned again. And I see Jesus holding the baby that's in this basket. And he says... You were about to enter into covenant with your old life, and that's why you couldn't discern who your bride was. And if you do that, you won't see your daughter in heaven. And immediately, it was like all the switches in my brain finally turned on. Like, hello, you just got this news in November about an abortion. And then the scene changes, and it's like something I would, I mean, I'm not trying to be like sacrilegious or sound. Like, I'm not reverent for the encounter. I mean, genuinely, it looked like something out of Stargate SG-1. Like, a portal, but it was just like a circle. But you see, like a mirror. It was like a window. Like, a window into the natural. 
I'm sitting next to Jesus, who's on this rocking chair with my daughter, watching myself in the service where I'm soaking. And the music was shifting, and it became like a more upbeat praise song. And Jesus is bouncing her on his knee, and she's holding her hands out looking at me. And then Jesus looks over at me and goes, she loves when you worship. And the encounter ends. And I was like dumbfounded for weeks. I had no grid of how personal that was that I didn't even, I didn't even think I asked God for a real answer question. Like I could have maybe if I was like drunk one time, like God, is this real? But I don't remember a quiet time of saying like, God, if this is real, please let me know. I might have, I might've asked, but I don't remember it. And I had a vision of me in hell for the Lord, um, you know, save me. <laughs> um, and the last vision when I really surrendered, even my sexuality to God, was Jesus visiting me when I was first touched sexually. And I remember him, um, I go into this encounter and I just ask Jesus, where were you? And I see Jesus walk into this all black room. He picks me up and he just says, I'm so sorry. And as soon as I came into contact with him and he hugged me, I instantly knew the person who touched me was exposed and touched and that the devil was behind it. Like, I was like, I touched his body and I was full of revelation. Like I knew, and there was mercy towards that event. Like it wasn't even like I had to choose to forgive. I felt like if I, when I touched Jesus, I had the power to forgive. And I remember just being so blown away and it felt like I was getting baptized in fire. And when I looked in Jesus's eyes, he looked at me like I was the only human being that ever existed. Um, Like, there are billions of people that have been alive since the beginning of time. And Jesus looked at me like, okay, I'm focusing on you. But at the same time, he's like that with everyone. And so I was so shook. And it felt like, you know, when you're a little kid and you, you spin around and you lay down on your back and your body's like, woo, and it feels like you're shaking like up and down. Like, I mean, like you're just tilting. You know what I mean? It felt like that. And I just got this revelation that God was pulling trauma out of my soul. Like it literally felt like years of like football gear weight was coming off of my inner man. And I remember telling the Lord, like, I can't handle this. This love is too much. I'm going to pass out. And I asked the Lord, I said, what lie did I learn here? What did I learn when I was touched? And Jesus said, you believe that because you didn't stop it, that you wanted it. And that you enjoyed it. And you believe that because you didn't stop it, that meant that you were gay. And I was like, completely blown away. I mean, Jesus is truth, you know, like he is truth as a person. So none of that even felt the slightest way manipulative. I was just like, I didn't stop it. It did feel good. And I always wondered why I was okay with it. And I believed that I must have wanted it. Like here I am not knowing and God made something that you know we're like always afraid of asking God well where were you now someone sexually abused like you know like where was God I want to I want to encourage you if you've been sexually abused why don't you spend some time in prayer and ask Jesus where he was he is not going to avoid you I promise and don't compare your encounter to mine and I'm not saying that as in mine was this like super glorious thing like don't look for a replica of what I have Why don't you allow Jesus 
in your story and your unique story allow jesus to reveal himself in your pain and just like if you want to message me and and we can go through that together but i want to know how you experience jesus because he is not a god who avoids pain <laughs> like and he became my hero like after that i was like god wherever you are i've got to be and i remember i told the lord i said if i have your presence like this i will never sleep again with another man and if anybody's ever met me in person like when i experience the holy spirit like my head shakes like i shake um i want to say i'm like whoa or like just getting hit but like i physically cannot handle the presence and love of god because it rescued me from the very thing that i wanted to die for he stood in my mess and satisfied me before i could repent showed me the truth and led me into repentance from that place of kindness and for that i will give him my life forever and i'll tell my kids of what he did i'll tell people what he did because he didn't have to but he wanted to he wanted to save me and no matter what dirty thing i did jesus wants me and he wants you and so um 8 years 8 to 9 years later um 7 years total but um i met my wife got married it was a very prophetic experience which i will go into that at another time um i have three kids i do not wrestle with same sex attraction um i don't believe that i'm gay um I haven't been with a man in over 9 years, maybe longer than that. I was celibate a year before I even um went to the Lord because I was wrestling internally. I did watch gay pornography and all that, but at the time I didn't want to be with guys anymore. So it's been about 9 to 10 years since I've been with a man in my whole process of being with the Lord and um I'm not I'm not missing out. <laughs> I love my wife. I love our intimacy. I love I love the design of God and what he's brought me into and I didn't try to pray the gay away. I fell in love with the presence of God and his presence changed my desires. You know, I never went to conversion therapy. People accuse me of that all the time or that I'm in a cult. But they don't ever want to hear my story. When Jesus steps into your pain, when Jesus who you hear hates homosexuals, hates this, almost turn or burn when when Jesus the, the prince of peace like Jesus Christ of Nazareth steps into your trauma your dysfunction your brokenness and doesn't judge you doesn't hate you doesn't shun you but lifts you up will kiss you will restore you will hold you will lead you into the truth knowing that you still have the opportunity to reject him like even when he encounters you He's not forcing you to choose him. He's giving himself, but not forcing you to choose him. To me, that changed my whole inner world. I, I could not go back to life as it was because I met him. And so, my heart for this podcast is to share about Jesus. Is to share about the prophetic because that's how I got one into the kingdom. and surrender with all these experiences of the presence of God and these supernatural encounters God it's the testimony of Jesus in the spirit of prophecy like the testimony of Jesus broke open this prophetic adventure that I've been on since October 
and um, I'm, I'm completely undone. I'm, I'm, I can't live another way. Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I want to share about testimonies. <clears throat> I want to share about, you know, freedom from the things that I've walked through because people are looking for it, you know? Um, and that's my story. I don't know what to give away except for what I have. And Jesus changed everything for a kid who had nothing going for himself. Like, I didn't have money to give him. I didn't have this good reputation or image that he could market. I mean, God doesn't do that. God doesn't, like, market things. But, you know, like, in my human mindset, there was nothing I could do to repay or, like, earn what he gave me. So, it just, I don't know, man. It gives me an, an unrelenting passion to know how much Jesus loves people and how much, how real he is. And, um, yeah, I would love to hear, um, if you listen and you feel led, I would love to hear your testimony. If you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, um, I would love to hear your testimony and, um, let's just talk about Jesus. You know, when we talk about him, he shows up, well, <laughs> I just feel the anointing so strong right now, dude. Um, when you talk about him, he shows up, and I just love him. Um, I don't even know how to really close this out because I feel like I've just shared my heart. It's like I'm having a conversation with you or sitting in front of me. Um, stay tuned for more episodes, I guess. Um, I'm really excited to hopefully in the future be able to bring some friends on and share their stories of meeting Jesus and just talk about everything um, I really appreciate you listening to my story and I hope that it, it touches you and it encourages you I hope you got some good laughs you need it um, it's good to laugh <laughs> I laugh at everything <laughs> um, but I hope this touched you I hope this episode made you hungry for Jesus and I pray that right now as you hear this that you would feel the fire of God that you would be filled to overflowing if there's any idols in your life if there's anything going on that you need breakthrough it's coming and the things of the enemy are being torn down I bless you in Jesus name thank you for tuning in to the Rainbow Prophet Podcast and stay tuned I guess for more episodes I don't know how many more times I can say stay tuned, but stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned.